me if I seem distracted. I've been preoccupied of late with uh, questions of morality, of right and wrong, good and evil. Sometimes the delineation between the two is a sharp line, sometimes it's a blur, and often it's like pornography. You just know it when you see it. Like our heroes. Sometimes it's really obvious that they're the good guys, but they also do some pretty awful things. So today on AP Marvel, we're going to talk about your, your faves are problematic. What keeps our heroes from being villains? That work, guys? Yeah. No, yeah. I will take the baton from here. Uh, Dope. Yes. No, I am I am your regular host, Chris Compendio. Uh, as always, I have Izzy here with me. Hello, Izzy. Hi, Chris. Uh, I have Thomas Rasmussen. Uh, by the time this is up, you will have already heard him in our little Fox episode, which went great. Uh very good episode indeed yeah. hello yes. hello fans <laughs> ap marvel i am returning and you just heard rhiannon uh who you recognize from marvel news desk um so yeah this was this was kind of uh your your idea rhiannon like what without i guess spoiling the thing we were talking about uh what kind of led you on that uh train of thought out of curiosity so i had just well, I mean, I had just finished watching a show that just came out recently. Um, <laughs> we can say what the show is, just not like... <laughs> just like <laughs> I had, no spoilers yeah. whatsoever, including yeah. title. Yeah, like, <laughs> I had just finished not even like the code name they use like on set. Yeah. <laughs> no. just finished watching the fact Tiara. that it came out recently is a little edgy for me. <laughs> yeah, I had just finished watching Tiara Season 2. <laughs> <laughs> Perfect. <laughs> um, anyways, I had just finished, if people that didn't know, Tiara is the Luke Cage uh, film name. Yeah. The, the pseudonym for <laughs> yeah. Luke Cage. I had just finished watching Luke Cage season two, and I was feeling conflicted hmm. because throughout the season, you see him do things. Well, I have to say, before going into the season... Tumblr, where all social <laughs> Tumblr, where all social justice begins. Yes, I had been. Oh no! <laughs> oh no! I had seen. That's the such a criticism <laughs> of social justice. <laughs> Gotta give the social justice warriors on Tumblr. They plant seeds, mm-hmm. and they had planted the seed that on any cop show, when you see an interrogation, and the person being interrogated, you know asks for an attorney and they sort of play around and don't get them an attorney and still manage to get them to confess or anytime that you you know that they work around a way to get the person to confess even though it wasn't completely above board that that's actually a crooked cop and that that's mm-hmm. um you know that in real life that would be a really bad thing like in real life the cop would be in the wrong and that perhaps uh these type of cop shows and such are normalizing it. And so I had that in mind as I went into Luke Cage and I saw Misty, like, (laughs) doing her interrogations. And then I started looking at everything from an open point of view of, are these people actually the heroes? Mm -hmm. And I think, I mean, it's the whole basis of Civil War, especially in the comics, 
So I got into this conversation with Chris online, just sort of like, where is that line? How is the ethical line drawn? And worked our way down through, is everybody equal until you kill a man? I think the phrase you said was, um, are you equal until you decapitate someone with a car door? Exactly. Uh, yeah. So yeah. <laughs> it's interesting because <laughs> the thing with Missy is that uh, my sister came home this week and we were finishing Luke Cage together. And she expressed her disdain about Misty, not because of what we were just talking about, but more more so because whenever she arrests someone, she seems very smug, is what she said. <laughs> like, she is, like, reveling in, you know, uh, I got you, you know, because it's basically what she's trying to do the entire season. Um, so even though, and she even, this is, like, early season spoiler, but she does something or attempts to do something pretty crooked, um, if you know what I'm talking about. Yeah, um, yeah. There's there's hints of evidence planting. Yeah. Well, they even go into season one stuff, that we learned that in season one, Scarf planted evidence. I'm just spoiling that. Yeah. That's... <laughs> you know. It's been out long yeah. enough. Yeah, <laughs> Tiara season one. Um, but... Uh... <laughs> So let's let's kind of try to extend this to uh, the larger MCU. So stuff like, um, I mean, even even if going back to Luke Cage really quickly, um, there was a part in the last episode where he, where Luke was literally breaking someone's fingers in like this almost sadistic, uh, with this with a sadistic interrogation uh, technique, and I was kind of cringing during that because you know he was getting the answers he needed but um dude you just broke this thing this dude's fingers and it looked like you were kind of enjoying it um so um i always think about batman and how he has this very strict no killing policy (laughs) but then like behind him is like a whole pile of people with concussions and broken limbs um, and you can probably apply, like, watching that Daredevil season two staircase scene where he's, like, going down the staircase and he's, like, throwing people off the stairs and, like, strangling a guy with the chain and, uh, all of these, like, horrific bodily injuries, but, you know, he's still the good guy. He, he's still in the moral rights next to Elektra and the Punisher, even though they're both pretty gnarly dudes they both hurt people very badly uh does any anyone want to pick Um, up with that on the other netflix yeah so it i mean even there's there's this subtle moment in uh season two of luke cage i won't i i I mean it's not a big spoiler but he asks this guy a question and the guy answers him straight up and he like puts his finger into his car and leaves this dent he's like i know you're lying about something and i can't let you get away with it and that was just like property destruction with no evidence whatsoever like the guy was very agreeable and like he has nothing but a hunch he's essentially just playing like god with that like on a tiny scale he leaves a scratch in a car but like he is completely trusting his own judgment with no like checks and balances whatsoever and i think that a lot of superheroes sort of end up having to do that but i've never seen it as relaxed and comfortable as yeah, in that because, scene. Yeah, he, where... he's in a position of power by the you know by the fact that he literally has powers. Um, if if right, it were exactly. if it were scrawny me scratching a dude's car up with my key, that dude would like go at me. Like I do not have 
the power. I don't have the. Uh, I, no, I'm not gonna say privilege. I don't have the power to. Um, I was about to go there. Yeah, yeah, but um, <laughs> you know, Luke Cage is a public figure. You know, um, and he ha- he has the means to do so, and he knows that this other dude is not going to hurt him because he physically does not have the power to do so. Um, also, <laughs> the part with uh, the Turk scene of this season. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, pretty much the Turk scene of every season, really. <laughs> yeah, God, <laughs> you look that poor Turk guy. Yeah, but like he has like a, a shop with like all of these uh, all these bombs, and Luke Cage just picks one up and he just drops it on the floor, uh, and it's like, dude. He's... Um, but I don't know. Interrogation overall is to... enhanced interrogation techniques. Let's call them uh... right. <laughs> I mean, I I think that. A lot of superheroes in the MCU, they take great pains to show you struggling with what they have to do in one way or another. I think Steve Rogers debates a lot about what is the right thing to do. And I think Tony Stark spends the entire MCU feeling guilty about the repercussions of his decisions. Like whether they were the right move or not, some bad things happened and he's torn up about that. Um, And I think they have to do that because... One, you're not going to go see a superhero movie where they do the right thing and don't violently beat criminals to a pulp. And two, you still have to make them a good character. So what you do is you you have the character punish themselves for these perceived crimes. So then you get your moral blank check. Um, But obviously that would, if there was a real superhero, it would be more problematic than it would be helpful, I think. Um, Because I'm I'm wondering if... um... Because Jessica Jones went through that guilt when, you know, she has had her share of uh, murders. Um, yeah. <laughs> the, the thing about that is that she's the only one who feels any guilt, but that's because she's the only one out of uh, the four defenders who's, like, really killed anyone. Um, so when we're talking about where do we draw the line, say if Fisk instead brutally beat up that guy with a car door instead of chopping off his head, would we be okay with that? Yeah, if he just knocked him out and left him with a traumatic brain injury. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Yeah, if, like, later we saw whichever, which Braskov brother it was. Right. Like, just, you know, relearning how to speak, yeah. would he still be such a bad guy? Yeah, that's... Yeah. Yeah. Um... Do we want it? Do we want to bring intention into yeah. this conversation? Are we are we going purely from like a deontology standpoint, like killing is bad but hurting is fine, or do we want to talk about like killing in the name of improving people's lives and bringing happiness to the world is okay, but killing because your criminal empire is under threat is not okay? Well, and I think that's important. Right? I mean, but when you go and you look, I mean, we we talked about bringing Killmonger into this, mm-hmm. like. Okay. Yeah. Killmonger yeah. was killing to, in his eyes, improve the world. Sure. So, is he still a bad guy? Well, I mean, his name literally is Killmonger, so. Well, uh, that was a he character. Did, yeah. He did kill a lot of people prior, <laughs> yeah. so. All those kill bumps. Grave. <laughs> All those bumps mean something. Um, I mean, I I think you you have to do a calculation, right? Like, if you're killing more people than you are either saving or improving the lives of, then that math doesn't mm-hmm. work out, right? Like, which is why I think that when Thanos came along, they specifically said, like, half and half. Like, that is very important. So mathematically, you cannot be doing more good than you are. Yeah, it's, it's you are objective, is what he said, you know. Um, 
Right? Like, he's the bad guy because he chose 50%. I was about to say, if Thanos was one third of the universe, would he have been net positive? I think he would have been a much more redeemable <laughs> character. Because <laughs> then two-thirds of the population thrive and grow and are happier. And you can make an argument to say that one death for, like, a 100% improvement in a life is, like, maybe, maybe a something going on possibly worthwhile there to, like, a very hardcore utilitarian person i think the only reason thanos is like an outright villain worthy of everyone fighting is is his math lesson only got to one half and he didn't learn smaller fractions or because he killed loki yeah mm. also he just looks evil that's the thing he's just this big purple dude. yeah he's important um, There's a segment of the population that doesn't like him because yes. he's ugly and not because of yeah, his plan yeah I mean, people have been pointing yeah, out... Yeah, sure, killing half the population makes sense, but that dude's fucking... He looks like evil Joss <laughs> right? Whedon, is what people pointed out. Why couldn't Brad Pitt do it instead? Like, what? Yeah, he was too busy being the uh, invisible dude in Deadpool 2. Yeah. Vanisher. Whoa, spoiler! Let's, ah, let's warn people about that. Okay, okay, it's been over two months at this yeah. point. Like... Um, so I, w- I think... Yeah, go ahead, Izzy, sorry. <laughs> oh, it's okay. No, I think <laughs> intention is really a like, intention is really a, like the main thing that will drive like heroes and villains apart. Like for others, it's like for others, as we mentioned, it's like killing, like how much you kill, how much you kill, and like how much you kill in general comparatively. Like just thinking back on the examples we mentioned, the thing that separates Daredevil and Electra with the Electra and the Punisher is that Matt says no killing. That's the only thing that drives the three of them, the him and the other two apart. For Killmonger and T'Challa, really the only thing that's driving them apart as hero and villain is really their intentions and their means in sort of their minds. It's sort of all, not only like, not their mindsets as in like their opinions, but their mindsets as in like sort of their ambitions and how, and their, their attempts. Because for Killmonger, he wants to sort of like resolve, like he wants to sort of like, you know, he essentially does want to introduce like the world to Wakanda. He wants to like sort of liberate blacks, but he's doing it in a way by sort of really, you know, starting almost like a ground level initiative, like killing all these mm-hmm. people to do so. Like now that you mention it, it's actually a really great setup for Infinity War because a, a big part of Infinity War was do we kill either a small subset of people or one person in order to save a large number. And that divided people along these lines, and most of our heroes weren't willing to do so. And, I, I mean, T'Challa's argument strikes me as similar, is where he's saying, like, um, we will help people out there in the world, but if we have to kill even one person to do it, then we're not the good guys, right? Um, and sort of, they sort of set up... I, I, so I, I've talked about utilitarianism and deontology on this call, but also a lot in reference yeah. to the MCU. The The basic premise is just, like, utilitarians care about like the end outcome and it doesn't matter how you get there and deontologists or care about actions and whether they're moral or not like the mcu takes a firm stance like it says utilitarians are evil like that is the the moral positioning of marvel in the way that it is characterized do you think kevin feige has a cap that says that on it I will buy him (laughs) one if he does not will you get a matching one for yourself I don't. I don't hold that opinion, but that I think that's clearly what they've come down on the side okay, of. Okay, yeah. Because I was actually going to ask you, like, did you bring this up 
because a you have this opinion or b because uh, it's just devil's advocate um <laughs> yeah. no i i mean i think that that's really the the direction right. they're taking is people who are willing to kill in order to do good are not heroes um side note what did you study in school by the way <laughs> just Okay, yeah, just getting your <laughs> academic background here in AP Marvel, I think it's an important... Right, but I've dabbled yes. in philosophy. I have two philosophy yes. books. Oh, two so... books, okay. One um... of them, okay, yeah. okay, one of them is the philosophy of Civil War. <laughs> Wait, so... the American Civil War? Or... <laughs> nope. Civil not, War by Ken not Burns. Not the American one. <laughs> um, <laughs> sorry, I, that side note got me off track. I, what, were we, what were you talking about again, Thomas? <laughs> Oh, I was just saying that sort of um, one reasonable, you know, yeah. hypothesis for our discussion of whether people are heroic or not is um, sort of whether they are willing to do um, bad things past a certain point in in service of some higher right. ideal, and um, sort of the the idea being. Uh, you can mentally think yourself into justifying a lot of horrible things, but ultimately a good person is someone who does not do horrible things. Well, when we're talking specifically about murdering people, um, I feel that yes. um, the movie heroes, with probably the lone exception of Spider-Man, I'd say, are pretty blasé with just... Yeah, no, yeah. They, they killed. Like, Captain... Like, Steve Rogers is... Like he's in the army, he has killed people. He has a he had a gun in the first Avenger, and he shot people. Uh, first Avenger, like, no, uh, the first Avengers movie, he threw that that dude off the uh, uh, off the helicarrier. Or uh, in the first Avenger, I think he threw a guy into like a propeller, and he turned into red dust, which was cool, I guess. Um, so. <laughs> So does that make the movie heroes any less heroic than, uh, you know, Matt Murdock, Danny Rand, Luke Cage, then? And I mean, so even, I th- even Matt Murdock, like, almost, you know, like, Punisher talked to him into, mm-hmm. you know, like, okay, fine, I'll kill this one time. Yeah. Um, And with Matt Murdock, he's actually one of my favorite cases for this discussion, because... Um, one thing that people miss is he is an extremely violent person at heart. Yeah. He enjoys beating up people and causing harm. And he struggles with that, and he is guilty about it, but that is who he is. He likes hitting people until they cry and break. And the only thing that he can do with that urge is to direct it at bad people. But left without any criminals, I feel like Matt Murdock would just start punching good people. <laughs> I I think that he's a very violent person, and he can't control the tendency, so he just directs it. He's like the Hulk, but just a blind dude. Uh, Rhiannon, I think you're our number one Daredevil fan around these parts. Do you agree with that uh, characterization? Totally agree. Yeah. 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 I mean, you see it enough in the comics and in the show. Mm -hmm. Like, it is like a compulsion. I mean, maybe not to the extreme if anybody watched Dexter. (laughs) Okay. Like where Dexter just sort of like, um, like Dexter is a psychopath that has to kill to feel, you know, okay in life. Yeah, you know, I don't think he's that like psychopathic about it, but yeah, I think he has to fight. Mm. Um. So I guess the thing, Rhiannon, that you and I were talking about is, um, 
are we the viewers willing to kind of look past the violence and still consider them to be our heroes? Like, is it okay for, um, is it okay for a little kid to be wearing a an Iron Man shirt even though he like killed terrorists on the regular, you know, in like the uh in his movies or uh Steve Rogers who, you know, fought in a war. Um or Thor who like has like in he had that little um a little monologue about that where he like kind of mentioned how like the the absurdly high number of people that he has killed. Um are they still heroes? Like does does um does their kill count make them uh, any less heroic? And, you know, should we care about that? Does anyone want to pick up on that? Well, I think what makes them heroes, this is also sort of tying back to another discussion, like sort of another point, but the big thing that differentiates, I think, between heroes and villains, like as we've sort of talked about, is guilt. Like Iron Man, yes, Iron Man was an arms dealer, but he, like, but like throughout the entire MCU, his thing is like if you don't say he's guilty, you're wrong. Essentially, <clears throat> like as we mentioned with Daredevil, like yes, he has like this. He has this desire to, you know, beat the shit out of people. But he, I don't think he's. I mean, like I don't think he's completely like proud of it. Like that's like the core thing that separates it. That separates people. I think that. And I think because of that guilt, it just emphasizes that they're more human. Because we, like, in a, like, I guess, in our mind, like the definition of hero is essentially the person we want to be, like a, the person we want to be, like the perfect person. But in an ideal, but in reality, no one is perfect. And like that guilt, that sort of like maybe the fact that they do have to kill or maim or really hurt. <laughs> shows the fact that they are not perfect and what they're doing is tough and sort of imbues a bit of reality into it. You know, no one... Like, these are our heroes, but they're so, not perfect. So are you saying that the idea of the hero comes more from our perception rather than their direct actions? I think so. Like, okay. Like, there's... Like, yes, a hero... Like, I mean, there's also the traditional definition. The traditional definitions is like, you know, a hero has like powers or can do these cool things. Where's a cape? But yeah, but yeah, not all heroes wear capes. <laughs> <laughs> I'm so sorry. <laughs> but is there? I mean, so, like, the way you're talking, the way you're talking, what? there's like an alternate universe where Bushmaster is the hero. Mm. Exactly. Like, for uh, every... I mean, like, one person's freedom values, another person's terrorist. Is that, like, yeah. That's the thing. Yeah, I mean, I, I think that um, in any conflict, because there are two people who are fighting for their side, it's reasonable to say that there are two sides. Now, these are fictional constructs, so you can have people who are just straight evil. But even the evilest people are sort of just, like, self-interested. Like, they're just kind of like, I want more power or money or whatever for me and I don't care who gets in the way. But if you highly value that one person, then you might take their side in that conflict. Um so I I mean I think Izzy's right that like hero is sort of whoever is fighting for for us <laughs> instead of against us. What was uh what was Heath Ledger's Joker's heroic uh I'd, this this town deserves a better class of criminal and he's just trying to <laughs> show the world that <laughs> I mean 
his whole thing was like a deconstruction of society's attempts to create meaning around what is essentially absurdity. Ah. Like it was a lot. It was a little bit of a like he shouldn't have cared about what everyone thought about just society in general. But taking that one thing aside, like his whole thing was to prove that we were fundamentally animals living in concrete nests. Concrete jungle. Concrete jungle, yeah. Um so let's Let's try to um, kind of go through a couple cases, a few specific cases. So, um, is he, are you the only one who hasn't caught up with Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D.? Or, Thomas, have you not? Yes. No, Thomas is caught I up. I am caught up. Yes, you can. Okay. I haven't caught up. You can scream are at we, me now. Are we doing Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. talk? Uh, well, we, we are talking specifically <laughs> about our boy Leo Fitz in the latest season. Oh, mm. yes. I, I got you excited now because... <laughs> Boy, boy, does this dude do some things. Um, so for the greater good. <laughs> yeah, exactly. For the, That's for the record. I believe that he did one thing really wrong. Okay, and that was admit that he was actually just like the same person as the doctor. <laughs> he could have totally blamed yeah, the fear dimension yeah. and salvaged oh, all of those relationships yeah. with people, but he didn't do that. He just burned bridges yeah, for no so, reason. He had so the let perfect me catch hour. Izzy up on this uh, really briefly, and feel free to like add anything on that I might have forgotten. But not okay. <laughs> okay, so <laughs> so there is a little uh, there's a little arc in the middle of season five where um, Fitz thinks that. Um, the Doctor, like, his evil framework self from Season 4 has uh, basically rematerialized and is doing all these bad things, uh, specifically um, taking out this inhibitor that Daisy has for her powers, because Daisy's afraid that she's going to quake the entire Earth into extinction. Um, no, that's very. That's putting it very lightly. He kind of kidnaps and performs surgery on yes, Daisy. Yes, yes, and we we find <laughs> out that is not actually the materialization of the Doctor, which actually fits like in a very like Tyler Durden Fight Club kind of way. Um, it was actually him doing all of these bad things himself. Um, but he ends up going through with it, even when he realizes the whole Tyler Durden moment. Like, yes, I am the Doctor, but I'm still going to do what because he's right even though this is, like, a terrible thing to do. Like, without consent, I'm going to take out this inhibitor. I'm going to cut this thing out of Daisy, my friend, um, for the greater good, because we need her powers. Um, and, you know, Daisy's like, I will never forgive you for this. Um, he he beats up... Um, what's his face? Uh, uh, Jeff Ward's character, uh, Deke. And mm. he ends up... Uh, I don't, I don't think oh, he did yeah. it himself, but I think he got Mac to get shot, um, if I remember that correctly. Um, I don't remember yeah, Mac gets okay. shot in that whole ordeal. Um, and you would think that would cause a rift between him and Simmons, but that actually gets Simmons to his side, and then they do... Simmons fits... Simmons, Simmons Fitz and Yo-Yo do some nasty shit. They, like, lock Mac up so they can go on their own... Uh, little journey. It's 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 crazy, and like Mac has always been the moral center of the team, uh, kind of to a fault. Where I see some people online complaining that he's like, oh, he's so like morally upstanding, like he thinks he's better than everyone. I'm I'm <laughs> okay. one of those. Just tell me about <laughs> that though. What is, what, is, what is bad about Mac? <laughs> 
right, so he suffers from this is the same exact shit as okay. Steve Rogers. He's he is the Steve Rogers of the group where they like is, think is, about is what's going to happen. Sure. Basically, yeah. they think about what's going to happen. They figured out what course of action they need to take to prevent the most deaths and prevent the most suffering, even on some really widespread scales, like destruction of the earth level yeah. scales. Like, we do this thing, the Earth doesn't explode, and seven billion people don't die. If we do this thing, they will. And Mac is like, but it's the wrong call. <laughs> Who are we, really? Like, he's just bullshit. He keeps... He's so willing to let other people die so that he can remain a good person, and he can he, we like the whole team can remain good people. And I think it's prideful and not... We, we get to a point where every other episode has a close-up of Mac just saying, this isn't us. <laughs> <laughs> like, I think so. I'm not exactly I'll count for you guys yeah. <laughs> when I watch it. Yeah. Yes. Yes. I'm the worst. Yeah. Season 5, now on Netflix. Um, but um, he, he's, he's always coming... He, he's, he's always at odds with someone on the team as a result. I mean... Season three, there was a whole question of like Daisy was like, "We gotta beat up these watchdogs," and you know Max saying, "This isn't us," um, and that was kind of coming out the same time as Civil War, so it was like, "Here's our own like mini Civil War," like you know, moral and ethical dilemmas, and the the team being split into two about all this, uh, and so yeah. The one thing that I love about it is that is fundamentally the the question that superheroes beg. Right, because the whole premise of superheroes is you give someone power, you take away their accountability, and you just trust them to do the right thing. And what they do almost 100% of the time is cause harm to harmful people. So, like, all of superhero fiction begs the question, like, if someone is doing harm to others, do they deserve harm back, right? Like, that's, like, justice. Um, And then if so, can a non-impartial sort of individual meet out that justice or is that has that become something else and it's like the fundamental question of batman like justice versus vengeance it's the fundamental question of um most of the the marvel movie like like first like um origin story things you know people struggling with like do i get involved is that my place and all of them choose to do so. So they all think they're pretty hot shit and have a good idea of what's right and wrong. Mm-hmm. But, um, so I'm glad that they're, they're like, discussing the question. Uh, I just hate the, the extremes that they push to make it real. Because now they also have to get conflict out of that to make it a plot. Instead, it should be, like, within limits, don't murder people. <laughs> and then within limits, don't stand on the sidelines while bad things happen. Right. So do we still like Fitz then? <laughs> That's my question. I was Team Fitz all the way. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I the the last season of Agents of Shield, Daisy just didn't make sense to me. If you know, yeah, if there is even a small chance, the the I want to save the world Shield personality, mm-hmm. you are told you destroy the world. I can't imagine that she wouldn't, and I mentioned this back in the Marvel News Desk podcast yeah. when we were reviewing that stuff, that I can't imagine that anybody in S.H.I.E.L.D. at that point would not take their own life. I mean, you know, 
or do everything they could not to get back to the time period or to do whatever to prevent that from happening. So for Leo to do what he did, I mean, there needed to be some hard conversations in general regarding what was going forward and the destruction of the earth. And he did the right thing, even though it was very bad. (laughs) The thing that bugged me so much is that there was so little information given. It was just like, you destroy the Earth. Like, how do we know? There's a photo of you close to the blast site of what destroyed the Earth. There's a vague security photo of you leaving the Quinjet, and then you go off frame, and then a few minutes later, we're all dead. Um... And I'm just like, how do you not suspect that there might be another angle? Why were you there? Was it maybe to fight someone with powers? Could that person with powers be dangerous enough to destroy the Earth? Who knows? But, like, yes, she should have done more to prevent that. But second of all, Fitz was also saving the world from the fear dimension, which is my favorite plot point of all My favorite phrase of all fear dimension. (laughs) Yeah. Um, but, like, it, so that, it frustrated me because she whined about not wanting to destroy the Earth, but then she didn't really follow through on it in any meaningful way. Well, and what can, I mean, and this, this is totally diverting into me hating, uh, time travel (laughs) plot lines. Fair. But, Fitz and Simmons, I can't imagine them having a child and raising that child, we know at least, like, Simmons raises the child, mm-hmm. and not being like, hey, all those rumors about Daisy being a horrible person, she really isn't. We really don't think she destroyed the Earth. You know, like, they knew this person that was the destroyer yeah. of the world, personally. Like, why wouldn't they have started? So that's where I kind of thought she might destroy the world. But that's a diversion. Yeah, no, there are a lot of questions when you, you bring, bring that stuff up. I, I think the way they try to wave it off is that, oh, the, the Kree were, like, suppressing the truth. They were suppressing any um, actual facts about this, even though there's literally, like, a cult uh, formed over these uh, S.H.I.E.L.D. dudes. Um, so, yeah, that's that's always an interesting uh, dynamic they, that this show creates. Um, regardless of the actual situation going on, depending on the season, but uh, it usually has Mac in the center because he is just like the goody two shoes, even with his freaking shotgun axe of all things. Um, <laughs> the fact that the shotgun axe guy is the most morally upstanding person in the team. Is that um, still in season five? What's that? The shotgun mm-hmm. axe? Yeah. Good. Um, it makes appearances. Yeah. Oh, wait. Like. Good. Okay, kind of an- analogous. I can't believe that when Mac saved Coulson by cutting off his hand in that one season, that he didn't turn to the camera and go like, "Is this who we are now? We cut <laughs> off hands." Like that's the same shit. <laughs> it's the same exact premise. God. Um, is, so, with yeah. all of these morally questionable good guys, do we think? I mean, maybe do we want to go to this place? Do we think that is changing? society because we're looking at all of these quote-unquote good guys and making all of these defenses for them has it blurred society's lines of good and bad i'm just thinking about trump saying many sides in charlottesville right now everything has many sides no yeah why would you do (laughs) this Um, sorry that's relevant i mean you know i mean uh, i think yeah, I think the world has become a lot less 
I mean, maybe it's because, like, I'm, we are all growing up, but I think the world has become a lot less innocent and naive. Like, a lot, I feel like a lot of younger people will find out about, like, the hard shit, like, when they're younger. Because of everything that's just, like, going, because everything that's going on, because of Trump's America. We said it. Hey. <laughs> I, I mean, I feel like that's true because of um, increasing access to information through the internet, like, Kids can get on the internet and then start, like, hearing about the worst sides of humanity from a very young age. It's not that, like, more bad shit is happening necessarily, like, that makes it to people, but it's, I mean, pe like, you can't keep the truth in with the amount of, like, access to information we have. Um, but what you can do is provide false information, <laughs> and you end up with people who hate other people because they haven't met them and haven't had a chance to hear their side of the story. Um, and you end up with these these factions, and from one faction's perspective, the other faction looks like the villains. And when we watch superhero movies where our heroes have license to hurt and kill the villains because they're bad, and you look over and you see a group of people that you strongly disagree with and you think are the villains, like, why would you not think that gives you license to hurt or kill them, you know? So exactly. is, is YouTube ruining our movies? Is that what you're saying? Are they radicalizing I mean, our children? I, I, okay, so like the, the news bubbles are a huge problem for a variety of reasons. Mm -hmm. But functionally what they do is like divide people. And then the culture that we live in, which is very strong on punishing the the bad person, right, that's, like, enhanced yeah. by the superhero movies, increases, in my opinion, the uh, willingness to commit violence against the other group. Right. Almost, like, desensitizing that in a way, you feel? Yeah. yeah. I think so. Yeah. Um, I think, I unfortunately, you see it most with shooters. Yeah. But. Sure. Yeah. I think Chris, you put it in a really like you use a really good word, desensitized. I think that's the perfect way to describe like the world right now, and just even like M I mean, even MCU movies. Like I think the first when I saw Guardians of the Galaxy Volume Two, um, before I was a waterfall, as Thomas can speak to, um, <laughs> um, they were like, some of these jokes, like they were saying, I'm like, wow, are they really saying? Is really. Disney's Marvel Studios really doing that in a PG-13 movie? Like, they're becoming, like, kids are learning, like, so much at, like, a younger age. Like, yeah, the world is becoming desensitized. Like, there were penis jokes. There were, like, there were penis jokes. There were, like, were, they, were there, there, there were probably sex jokes. Like, and I was just like, oh my I god. I mean, in Guardians like, of the Galaxy 2, there's the killing of the entire crew, right? Yeah, and also, like, and also the fact that how Ego is um, a serial rapist <laughs> yeah there were a lot of dead bodies and corpses and skeletons in that movie um okay. that we, we yeah. kind of forget about that amongst all of the the colorful gorgeous imagery uh in that film and the tears yeah, <laughs> yeah. i can't see through the tears anymore uh. my eyes were so misty um, but yeah i think that the i think gradually like, we are i think yeah gradually like the world is becoming more desensitized to like just these kinds of things and it's i don't know how to feel i mean i don't know how to feel about it if it's sad or just like natural but i i have done I'm so many and so many like 
in video games violent things. I didn't want to say it in the order of I've done so many violent things in video games. <laughs> um, well, now that we have that quote, we can yeah, cut. You can, yeah, you can we can we can splice that up. However, um, and you yeah. know that like, I've seen a lot of violent imagery, but if I saw like a real picture of a dead body, I would freak out. If I saw someone get run over in real life, like across the street, I would just freak out because. Um, I, I I can discern the difference between uh, fiction and reality. Um, so I don't know if that's so much of a societal issue or an individual issue. Does anyone have an opinion on that? Because that's something I've kind of been um, internally debating about in my head. About how you would feel if you saw a dead body? Uh, yeah, I mean, yeah, that's, <laughs> just the whole desensitized, uh, you know, being desensitized thing. Like, I, I feel like, um, even though I've been accustomed to the imagery, I would still be able to discern, if I saw something on the news, like, that would still, um, that would still provoke yeah. a real reaction from me, um, even though seeing something fictional of that, um, something similar to that would probably not, because I know it's not real. So, psychologically mm-hmm. speaking, I think that the weirder the movie is and the more out of touch with reality, right. the easier it is to, like, separate those two concepts and be like, all right, they killed a dozen people just now in violent ways, but it was a talking raccoon and a blue man with a fin. Like, that's not real. We're talking, like, the we're talking like Tom and Jerry style yeah. violence, right? Yeah, exactly. Like, that kind of stuff you don't... Um, you don't bring over into the real world. But when you watch a movie that's very realistic, like the winter soldier was for the most part, like physically doable. Mm-hmm. Um, and so you watch, you know, the, the action and that, and like the shooting and whatever, and, you know, maiming crossbones and all that stuff. And like that gets you a little more desensitized. I, I think uh, based on what I know about, human brains i guess yeah i mean something like cartoony well and taking on that same train of thought that would make sense to loop it back to how this began for why the netflix universe makes me feel a little more icky when they start crossing that line more freely Mm -hmm. you know when it is simply scratching up a car or you know dropping stuff in a store that's very real that i can relate to yeah, I think, uh, and Izzy, you and I talked to, um, uh, in our Eric McAdams episode about violence, um, I was saying that the, uh, the most defining part of, uh, Daredevil, that being the first Netflix show, um, was probably when the guy, like, beat the other guy to death with a bowling ball in that opening scene of, I think, episode three, maybe? Yeah. Um, and that's the same guy who, like, um... You know, when realizing that Wilson Fisk will be out to get him, he literally drove his head through a spike, which was just gnarly. Like, it was just a, this shocking, um, like, man, I'm not used to this in my Marvel. Um, and then, of course, the car door is like, is like this, um, I, like, iconic, iconic defining moment, um, of that series. Um, where I was, where I was going with that was, uh, I mean, I was playing Wolfenstein 2 last night, and I drove a machete through, I, I drove a hatchet through a Nazi, um, and it was this very, like, gnarly, real-looking image, but, you know, if I, I could not imagine myself doing that to a real-life person with a hatchet, um, so it, I was kind of talking less about the cartoony aspect of it, 
and more so wondering if um is it like are there any like statistics are there any trends that we can look at um that say like hey having all this violence in i think we're going a little off topic but um like you know um looking at all this violence i guess specifically in mcu movies would that kind of desensitize them from real life things that they see in the news I think this is way better because this is now okay. instead of the ethics of the heroes, it's the ethics of the the, the movies themselves, which yeah. is amazing. Exactly. Yeah. Um, That's what I know AP that, Marvel does. <laughs> yes, I know that for video games, um, they did because that was a whole thing. Everyone was like, violent video games make kids violent, and there's all this uh, stuff. But what they sort of found was that like kids with violent tendencies gravitated towards more violent video games and kids without gravitated to less violent video games. And it was sort of like the, there was a, there was a correlation, but it was not causal. Mm-hmm. Um, the only difference might be because Marvel is tying everything together and it's one unveiling story. Um, people who might not otherwise have watched violence are now watching violence because you know, they it's in to. the same universe as... I, I, what is the least offensive Marvel movie possible? Spider-Man... No, Spider-Man Homecoming? Sure, yeah. It's like in the same universe as Spider-Man Homecoming. So now you have to see, you know, Thanos crushing Thor's skull because you liked <laughs> the cute spider kid. Like, mm-hmm. um, So I don't know if they've necessarily done studies saying if you sit people who don't want to watch violent stuff in front of violent movies for a long period of time, they get worse. But I can't imagine that it's hugely helpful to the society, fabric of society. Um. Okay, Any anything else anyone wants to add? Because I kind of wanted to go to specific... Uh... Villain cases, I guess, if that makes sense. I guess sort of, this is sort of, I guess, tying in, this is sort of, this is sort of going back, but also, yeah, this, uh, this is going back, but sure. one of, it's fine. Well, sort of one of, I guess, sort of an underrated conflict that we don't realize is that do, like, for Doctor, like, it's Doctor Strange, where St- Stephen Strange literally messed with time and reality to save the world grant that uh. is most of time travel conflicts but he altered nature and reality and we just really brush off and honestly yes Doctor Strange is my favorite movie yes ironic I know but <laughs> there was a moment in my mind where I thought wait a minute Bordeaux's kind of right you know like Doctor Strange like mess with this very fat like the thing we're protecting in, the in laws of nature, whatever the hell they <laughs> the are. The laws of, yeah. Uh, I thank you for bringing that, thank you for bringing Doctor Strange up, because I never, I never questioned, um, that action. I never thought of, like, hmm, is it maybe not okay to play with time? Because it was just like, oh yeah. Because it was I've cool. Yeah. Yo, yeah, everything was like, weird in reverse. It's weird as shit. I mean, the hands, like, that's weird as shit. That's a very, that movie alone proves what you said, Tom. The weirder the thing, the less The we, less, yeah, the less you map the less it we to notice. the real world. Yeah, I guess, I mean, I think it, this turns to, like, a good segue to, I guess, maybe what you want to talk about, Chris, but, like, just specific like specific cases of where villains might actually be right. You know, yeah, I think it's, it's, at, the, we, at its... We should talk about Mordo, then. Um, yeah. Let's do it. Yeah, at its, I mean, I think at its core, Mordo was a very sort of, like, also very, like, naive, very innocent. Like, he... Like, he 
idolized, he idolized, like, the ancient one. The ancient one was his hero. Like, like more to believe the ancient one, like, you know, was a good, like, a good person who, like, did the right thing, who did the right thing, and, like, did good things to do the right thing, and there was nothing wrong about her. And then when he realizes that the ancient one uses power from the dark dimension, then that that rocks his world a lot. Like strange just to pull him out of it. And then when he realizes that, you know, Strange is doing this, is doing the Strange doing the same thing that the ancient one did, and maybe that's what he's been taught to do his entire life. Like he can't even stand. It's not even just. It's not even the fact that he can't stand the idea of like what they've done is that they can't he can't stand the idea of what they've taught him to do like maybe he, like he's worried that what if i'm doing the same thing so and you see and you see strange messing with time and nature and the laws of reality to achieve his means even if it was self-sacrificial and a very big turning point in steven's character like in in the world natural law that's that's a lot. That that's a lot. Like Mordo is kind of right. I'm having a realization here. I'm sorry. <laughs> but, um... oh, this is live, people. <laughs> Hashtag Mordo was right. <laughs> Things got Put real. Down a shirt. <laughs> okay, this so my I would goal. be a lot more sympathetic if he didn't use magic from now on. I guess he might not. I don't really know what they're what they're going to do with the character. But I think it would be amazing to have someone who knows everything about magic but refuses to use it fighting sorcerers. I would be I would be rooting for Mordo. Yeah, yeah. what if he just used Doctor Strange too, Derrickson? I, yeah, this I don't is... really know what they're gonna do with that movie because they've got Mordo and he wants to do Nightmare and like something else mm. was announced and but. No, they should just, because Doctor Strange 1 had no guns, they should just make Doctor Strange 2 into John Wick, except it's Mordo, and he yes! just has a gun! Yes! And he kills all the sorcerers. <laughs> um, he, it turns out magic is not bulletproof. Yeah, exactly. He, he re-paralyzed he re uh, Benjamin Bratt in that, uh, that post credit scene. That <laughs> poor did. man. He did! Uh, just leaves him on so the floor. So, the thing I liked about that was he didn't attack him, he just sort of took, took a gift back, in a sense, right? Like, yeah. And that hurt more than losing his life, arguably. What was his What was his um reasoning for that? I don't recall. Cause I've only seen that scene once in uh, in the Cause, theater. Because he's uh, I think Mordo argued that like Benjamin Brass character, uh, it's Pangborn. I think it's his name, but Pangborn sure. yeah. was using magic to like he was using magic selflessly, like self selfishly. He was using magic for himself, but Mordo wanted to use magic to sort of. He wants you to better the world. Like, if, like, Immortal thought that Pangborn was using magic for a selfish reason. Mm. And that's why he took it away. He's making himself, like, Mortar's making, basically making himself dread, like, judge during executioner on, like, who should use magic. Yeah, because I'm wondering, like, what is he working off of? Is there, like, a, a magic Bible? Is there, a registry. Is, there, is there a terms and conditions for, like, getting your sling ring that you have to check off? Um, I mean, he probably remembers Pangborn. Yeah, I, I mean, I, I'm just wondering if, if, if he is just... books. If he's that being library arbitrary. had a lot of books, and yeah. one of them probably had rules. Right. Uh, the, the Jedi Code. Um, yeah. So <laughs> the sacred text. Yeah, whatever the hell the Jedi Code was. Uh, you can't bang people. That's the Jedi Code. Um, pretty sure that's the whole thing. Yeah, pretty much. And there's also prophecy that no one knows about except that there is a chosen one. Uh, but that's besides the point. 
Um, so, <laughs> Mordo, good or bad? <laughs> so, I mean, Mordo falls into... The, Mordo is the the Mac of Dr. Because <laughs> <laughs> he's like, you can't bend the laws of nature. Yeah, but Mac isn't like... Things. Okay, Mac but did like, choke out Hunter that one time. I was gonna say, he's not, like, paralyzing people left and right, and, um... I mean, he wields a shotgun. That's true. This man is not clean. So okay, all right. Here's what we thing. have to do. We have to make an alignment chart. <laughs> yes. Is Mordo, is he, what is he, neutral evil? Is he neutral lawful or, like, lawful evil? Lawful like, evil, right? Okay. Can, that be the, can that be the cover photo of this episode? Because <laughs> uh, he, he's lawful evil because he is working against people who are working to better people's lives and save lives. Right. Right. Like that's the ultimate goal. That's the whole thing is a number of lives and happiness. Those are the two metrics of success that I, I judge. And like the sorcerer is like, Hey, we can tap into unlimited universal power mm-hmm. to help people's lives. And he's like, I don't feel like that's a good idea. Like that's his whole, that's the whole reason why not is because he gets a weird, feeling about messing with the laws of nature so he's gonna kill and maim and destroy so i i mean i'm wondering is he since dr strange is your favorite movie are you ever going to rewatch that movie and get to the end with with stephen strange like messing around with time and be like mm, i'm not sure i'm not sure if i'm comfortable with this anymore are you still going to enjoy it the same way you always have well I remember when it first happened, when I first realized it in the, like, the first time I watched it in the theater. Yeah. I sort of realized it and then dismissed it because I thought, oh, because Doctor Strange is the hero. Like, that's what I felt. Like, oh, Doctor Strange is the hero. Also, because I'm me. I was like, it's been a cover batch. Oh, <laughs> okay. my God. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> All right. So the worst but, moral reasoning I've ever heard. <laughs> <laughs> but I get it. But I'm the, with you. <laughs> yes. I think the reverse of that rule is more true. I think every character that Benedict Cumberbatch plays, I instinctively think is evil, and okay. I'm wrong <laughs> less than fifty percent of the time. Also true. Okay. <laughs> God. Okay. But the big. Okay. But the big thing to focus on is that <laughs> I thought he's the hero. He can't. You know, he's the hero. Like. That's the big thing to focus on. He's infallible. Then, is that what you thought? Exactly. Like, okay. Exactly. And like I dismissed that. And so his name is on the title of the movie. Therefore, he's supposed to be the good guy. Yeah. Exactly. Like the second time I watched in the theater and the third time I watched in the theater, I had dismissed it. I paid more attention to like, oh my god, this looks cool. You know, I pushed it aside. And I think after having this deeper discussion, I would definitely look at it a second. I, just realizing these feelings again, I would definitely look at it. I, I look at it a second time. Like when I'm like when I watched it again, I would definitely like sort of examine it a little bit more with that situation and see like you know is Doctor like you know like is Doctor Strange problematic? Yeah, because look, Doctor Strange is actually racist too. Do you, like, do you mind if I push you a little bit on that point? Sure. Do it. Oh, what do you think was the right thing to do? for Doctor Strange in that movie then? What, what, just like, the morally perfect decision. <laughs> the, well, this is, this was sort of impossible, but the morally perfect decision was catching Caecilius, oh my god, I forgot his name. <laughs> um, the morally right thing 
ideally would have been catching Kaecilius sort of in time before he destroyed all of Hong Kong. And well, like, it's too late for that. Obviously. Purely, yeah, it's purely time-based. But, like, just having, having like, the judgment and just better intelligence to sort of catch Kaecilius before he did that and before, like, you know, Hong Kong was destroyed. But, but that's not a moral issue. That's an ability issue, right? Or, exactly. like, by the time he got to Hong Kong when it was being destroyed... His first inclination was, let's just set everything back. Let's undo so this. That it's better. Let's control right. Z on this whole situation. <laughs> Wong's dead. Now he's not dead. Which is, like, not natural. Like, he should not be alive yeah. right now. Um, but also, it was a sorcerer bending, like, the rules of magic to kill him. So isn't that okay to use magic to undo the wrongs of magic? Oh, like, man. I mean, he I don't know. I just, I just, I hate this laws of nature bullshit. That's all. I just don't think it's a real. Anyone who introspects long enough will realize that that tendency is just like a cognitive error. And it is, it is harmful. I can say from experience. I just like, with magic introspect too much. <laughs> like if, if you just like if you just like introspect and like spend too much like sometimes if you if you I think if you introspect and spend too much time in your own mind I think you can end up circling yourself and harming your like end up like circling around yourself and end up like harming yourself more than like doing good but that's another story um, I mean it's okay it's really easy if you believe that violating the laws of nature is morally wrong you should turn off your air conditioner shut off your electricity <laughs> go to the river to get your water it's that's not the way we do things We've all agreed as a society that changing the laws of nature is dope, and we love it. It's amazing. Yo, let's change the weather, man. <laughs> I mean, the so what's wrong okay, is but... not violating nature; it's being dumb. And I do think he was really reckless by like jumping to the time stone without like fully knowing about it. Like he hadn't read up on it. He should have handed it to Wong to do that, or Mordo, who were more experienced. But. But I think that is, if they had it, the right thing to do was exactly what Doctor Strange did. So, I think. Well, I also like. Think, I also. I also sort of agree with that. But I think. I, I had mentioned. I guess if in a perfect world where I could do anything, and I am Kevin Feige, that's what would happen. <laughs> that's but, what, that's the movie. Was <laughs> he just catches Kaecilius early on? The Dark Dimension never opens. No Infinity Stone is used. That's the movie you would have made. This movie is only <laughs> okay. Fifty minutes long. What are you doing, Feige? Good question. Okay, counterpoint. And Infinity Stone is still used because Doctor Strange uses it to change the apple. Anyway, <laughs> yeah, that was very. That's hard. all it's used. Yeah. <laughs> um, but in the if I in like in terms of the story, the right I think the right like the right thing to do in that case would also have been to just really roll with the situation. I think. That grief of like, you know, he was too like he he was too late to save it, and with this time zone, yet he can undo things. He's like he can do undo the path. He can make it right. He could have learned to live with that guilt of being too late. And if he had just if he had not used a time zone at all and fought Caecilius, he could and like won. He would have shown more of his magical talent, and he, and then also like sort of and like this in the instance of like coming too late would have been a emotional like point that sets off this guilt of like i am too like he was too late essentially 
I I agree. Good. I think it would have been better for his character to have to accept failure because he he showed like an inability to do that. But I think that that is why he was the hero of the story was because um, other sorcerers were more prone to um, viewing the natural order as like pure and good, and if something happens. Then it was supposed to happen, and there's nothing they can do about it. And Strange, as a doctor, uh, was sort of like, no, if there's something wrong, like, fix it. Like, I'm not going to give up just because, like, there's a problem. Um, Yeah. I think that that was the right call. I think, in general, if there's a problem, the decision to fix it instead of coming to terms with the fact that there's a problem usually benefits people. But I realize that I'm, I'm wording myself into a moral minority now, so I will... Stop. There. Okay, now that we wrapped that conversation up. So you like uh, playing God. <laughs> Rhiannon, do you have anything to add to that before we um, stop talking about the moral implications of using magic? Slash my, rev- <laughs> slash my revelation yeah. live in front of a studio audience. Yeah. I just, you know, this was my goal was to make everybody uh, stop. <laughs> Everybody I... start thinking their favorite heroes <laughs> were um, the bad guys. Yeah, well, Rhiannon is God. You did it. You, did you it guys correctly. didn't realize I am a super villain. Yeah, so. you're, you're the Zemo of this episode, actually. <laughs> um, Which is okay. Can we talk about Zemo? I mean, that one is the most obvious. I liked him. I thought he was yeah. great. I thought morally, yeah. he had some good points. Yeah, he drowned a Nazi. Right? <laughs> Nazis are Character bad, right? introduction, I mean, killing disagrees. Nazis. He's basically Captain America, but, like, no power, so even more impressive. Uh-huh. Yep. It's so like a more relatable Captain America. Yes. Mm-hmm. Well, less understandable, but more relatable. I mean, he blew up the UN and he killed Chaka, so, like, there was also that. Mm. Oh. True. Everyone's blown Maybe. up the UN at some point, right? He Not wasn't... Yet. He was gonna move the van further away but then they were checking it so it went off early all right you're trying really hard to uh so zemo's obviously not a great person but <laughs> okay. like the problem that he was addressing right was like superheroes who cause collateral damage and kill people with no consequences to themselves um is i mean i would want that problem fixed if we take right. for example if there were, I'm going to say hypothetically, because I think to talk about specific real world cases would be controversial. If there were hypothetically a police officer who killed innocent people in the process of like protecting the citizens they were sworn to protect, yeah, we right. would want accountability and we would per mm-hmm. se start a national movement in protest. Yeah. And this was the problems he was trying to fix. And he wasn't, he was just trying to get them to kill each other, which here. is amazing. Okay, alright, let me... I'm going to go on a weird path here. Okay, so, go for it. I'm thinking about the imagery of um, Zemo literally, like, murdering Joe Russo, uh, who is this innocent psychiatrist, uh, in order to set off his plan to basically manipulate Iron Man and Captain America, manipulating people to kill each other. Um, so yeah, maybe, like, there will be a few broken eggs on the way, but, you know, that's going, that's, that's, you know, for the movement that you were talking about. For some reason, what you said started making me think about the Liam Neeson movie, Nonstop, which is not a very good movie, I will say. 
Taken on a plane. Yes. So yes, it's it's not really taken because it's it's like it's more of a it kind of starts off as a murder mystery where there are these people mysteriously dying, um, on this I know, on this plane. But um, it's fun to say. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but like how the commuter is taken on the train. <laughs> I've never. I will never see that shit. But anyway, it's, um, it's not. It's not good. <laughs> good to know. Um, really. So. <laughs> All right, Liam Neeson is a is is an air marshal, um, and he's kind of like down on his luck. He's had his own personal troubles, and the bad guy's plot is to basically um, cause a you know a terrorist situation, an incident. Um, mm-hmm. His motivation is that um, he wants airport security, he wants airline security to be better. <laughs> Because something terrible is going to happen. He does not think that um, 9-11 was enough to, um, you know, like starting the air muscle program. He does not think that was enough. So he is basically going to create this massive um, crazy thing because (laughs) he wants the air marshals to be better. Is that worth um, killing a whole plane of people? Uh, And I'm... I feel like that's... I don't know if I'm stretching too much by tying that in with Zemo of this whole, you know, no, I'm gonna... A, you know. Yeah, yeah. And I, I was just thinking that whole movie is like, wait, this is stupid! <laughs> this is a stupid plot! Um, like, it's 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 really a stretch what they're doing here. Um, like, it's, it's obviously one of those cases where you think of the motivation after the high concept of, you know, taking on a plane, if we're gonna go with that. Like um, Incredibles 2? Sure. Oh man, that could be another episode, honestly. Um <laughs> about the first movie's um stance on, I guess, objectivism and people were all like, Brad Bird's basically Ayn Rand. Um But yeah, is is that is Zemo a good guy then? I think that goes down to I mean because I've been sitting here debating it in my head. I'm like, sure, well, yeah. you know, the movie starts with Wanda you know, with innocents getting killed at the hands of the Avengers. Yeah. I mean, like, but it was accidental. Whereas mm-hmm. Zemo killed, you know, there was some killing on Zemo's part that was intentional. Yeah. And it was to start conflict. Mm-hmm. So I think I'm going to stick with Zemo being a bad guy. So is the, is maybe uh, a bad guy for good reasons. Yeah. But a bad guy. Yeah, it's interesting that they so, had um, both him and... Uh, and the mother who confronted uh, Alfred Woodward. Yes, yeah, yeah. yeah. Mar- Mar- not Mariah. Um, Mariah's twin sister. Yeah. Um, as as kind of like they they, they both had the same situation where they they both lost family in Sokovia, but um, you know maybe it's because not Mariah didn't have the means, but she didn't go on some crazy um. Kevin Spacey in seven level manipulation of Cap and Tony. Um, I was thinking like I was thinking about. Sorry to cut you off. Sure, um, I I didn't know where I was going I, with that. So please go ahead. No. <laughs> I was thinking about that exactly. Like as you mentioned, like as you started to mention it, like if, like for Alfred Woodward's character in Civil War, like Zemo is someone she might agree with. Mm-hmm. Like Zemo, Zemo's viewpoint is that. You know, like the Avengers, like essentially the Avengers should be accountable for Sokovia, and they're a harmful force. So it's better to destroy them from the inside. 
Like, that's his sort of thinking. Like, I am on, I am firmly on the point that Zemo is one of the best villains in the MCU because he actually succeeds at what he does. And, well, I think, I still think that's definitely Zemo is a villain, but I do recognize for people like maybe Alfred Woodward, he could actually be a hero or like not, well, not a hero, but just a respectable figure for people who have been, who have felt like sort of like scorned by what the Avengers, like the Avengers collateral damage. That makes sense. Yeah, she she was definitely her function in that story was definitely to set up the audience for the idea that um people have suffered because of what these guys have done. Um so kind of to, so, to, so that would kind of um amplify the effect of Zemo's little monologue uh to Chala at the end. Um anything else on Zemo before we move on to I think I wanted to talk about Vulture and then end with Killmonger if that sounds okay. Oh. Yeah. Anything else on Zemo? Um, so really quick, just as a as a transition to Vulture. Um, so yeah. I think Ooh. what I'm hearing is that we like characters who don't intend to kill anyone. They intend to do the right thing. And then if deaths happen in the process of trying to do what's right, then, you know, we, we accept those accidents. But if you go out with the intention of killing someone for whatever ultimate reason then that seems a villainous act to us audience. So so intention to harm just, innocence is like the line that's being drawn? Is right. that what you're saying? Okay. So what's interesting Even is Vulture's only like kill kill was an accident, right? <laughs> that's true. So there's a there's a jumping off point. <laughs> Wait, what's his remember what his kill kill is? Uh you killed <laughs> Logan Marshall Green thinking he had a different weapon, like the the shocker, the first oh. shocker. Yeah. Um, okay. and he was just kind of like, and it was just kind of like, oops, wait, I thought this was what? Oh, what? <laughs> but um, yeah, it was supposed to be like an anti grav gun, so he'd like yeah. float up to the ceiling or something. But he uh, okay, fried yeah. him into cinders instead. Uh, I will say, burying a sixteen-year-old kid in a uh, building is sure. pretty. Uh... <laughs> sure. It's pretty bad. He warned him a couple of times. Sure. So... Yeah. But like, okay. Not only like is it not only is like Peter like the same has age as his daughter. Peter is his daughter's date to this homecoming dance. Like this is the very definition. Of, this is like the closest you can, or the closest moments you can get to like literally beating the crap out of someone like your daughter. Like if that made sense at all. But he did it for his family. Good intentions. <laughs> he did. It was very good intentions. Uh-huh. Also, I would like to point out that. By the time he buried him under a building, he was well aware that he was not just any old 16-year-old kid. Uh-huh. Sure. Yeah, he could so. probably take a ceiling or two. Um, yeah. It, well, it, I mean, no, I mean, he didn't do anything worse than what Captain America did to that 16-year-old kid before. Right. Dropped a really, whatever that yeah. is. Yeah. 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 So, is Vulture worse than Captain America? That's a question I did not think I would have to. <laughs> think about. I, I like this podcast. This is yeah, I mean they. I mean like you know, Volt like uh, Vulture is like a he is like a blue collar villain. You know, he is kind of going against. He, they have to eat the scraps from what uh, higher up people like Stark leave behind. He's just um, like a boy from Brooklyn. 
<laughs> so I guess so. Yeah, but I mean, he is a man from New York. Yeah, I mean, there, you know, I guess Steve Rogers does harp against people in positions of power, but he's more against bullies and not the privileged. I guess I've never, I've never had reason to believe that Steve Rogers would like be against the one percent, um, unless I. Unless it's just not relevant to him, you know? I never thought that it was. I think he's more about, um, more about actions than, you know, ugh, maybe, maybe yeah. I'm just kind of I get around. you. Yeah, I okay. get you. Yeah, because, like, because Tony Stark technically still, that, like, um, damage control taking over his entire operation was still an action, I guess. Um, but it wasn't the same thing. Like, you know, Tony Stark is now comparable to Red Skull. <laughs> um... Or is he? Um, um, is it just has it, does anyone find it weird that Tony Stark just just still like wanders the streets, even though it's probably publicly known that Ultron was his fault? I mean, that's that's a suit naturally. Tony Stark is. I mean, yeah. I, think I think I I assume half the people wandering the streets in New York are a little bit responsible for horrible things. Mm. <laughs> well. <laughs> Probably not wrong there. What a great um, position! Boom! <laughs> Take that, okay. New Yorkers. Um, okay. no, I, I we just that. lost I half our uh, half our audience. Yeah. Yeah. No, no, I live in New York. I like one of the streets, and I'm like, I I bet there's celebrities everywhere I don't recognize, and like, I bet some of these people voted for Trump. So what have you done, Ryan? And what's what what are your uh, <laughs> what evil actions okay. have you? Committed? I'm going to talk about a movie, which I think. Is highly relevant to this discussion. Is it The Commuter starring Liam Neeson? <laughs> Never mind. I'm going to talk about The Commuter. No. Um, okay. Hateful Eight. Ooh. It, okay. All right. Um, <laughs> that one guy who's in all the Tarantino movies plays <laughs> oh, um, a hangman. <laughs> okay. Right? And so he has this speech where he's like, if you know this guy kills this other guy... The victim's family wants the killer, you know, killed, but and they want to do it, right? Like, that's, for them, it's this instinctive vengeance. It's this desire to destroy. But when I kill someone as the, as the hangman, right, I'm impartial. I have no emotion, and that makes it justice, right? Like, mm-hmm. I'm not doing this because I want to. I don't enjoy doing it necessarily. It just needs to be done. It's not frontier so, justice. Yes, in that sense, there is a level of, uh, that's why I think, like, Daredevil is one of the most, like, interesting cases is, like, if you enjoy the act of putting criminals down a peg too much, it starts to become morally ambiguous, because then it's it's less about the greater good and more about you just, like, doing that. That's literally the end of uh, Legion Season 2, pretty much. Yeah, um, I thought that it was slightly yeah. implied that Killmonger was going to get great personal satisfaction out of the the killings that he was trying to propagate. That that was my read on his character was he was a little bit excited to kill people and had enjoyed doing it himself as well. Uh, were you talking Killmonger? Because you cut off a little bit. I didn't catch all of that. Yes, I was talking Killmonger. Okay. Yeah. Uh, I kind of want to read this tweet that I uh, I once again found uh, <laughs> when we were setting. Okay, yeah, y- y'all know what I'm talking about. Sometimes. This is from this is from Leslie Lee the Third, and uh, this person said after Black Panther came out, 
Black Panther is a deeply evil film. It dangles Ooh, the idea yeah. of global black liberation in front of you, paints that as villain villainous, and then ends in an orgy of the freest black people to ever walk the earth, slaughtering each other to protect whites. That shit turned my stomach. So? <laughs> what do y'all think? Um, is... I don't know. What was there something deeply evil about what uh, T'Challa and company were doing? You know, the fact the fact that they were teaming up with a CIA agent um, was already kind of uh, uh, questionable. Um, so what? Does anyone have the side of like, no, Killmonger was t- was was in the wrong here, and this is why? I I mean, I read it as an allegory for divisions within the the left politically um in sort of like the difference between um sort of socially progress i'm i'm gonna phrase this in a way that is biased because it's it's a real thing that i have real opinions on so i'm biased um but it's sort of the divisions between like socially progressive people who are looking to like improve an agenda of racial diversity and equality for all and stuff like that and um sort of what has become known as social justice warriors who are sort of looking for um, as strong of a opposite force against uh, the way things have been as, as possible, like to the g- degree of suggesting, you know, um, what would be really good is if sort of white people could be slaves for 150 years. That way we could like equal the scales or stuff like that kind of thing. Um, and so like I, I read it as an allegory for um, are we, you know, in favor of black people to the degree to the exclusion of everyone else, or are we in favor of people in general and looking to help those who are disenfranchised at the moment? That was the that was the way I read it. In in which case, T'Challa was obviously sort of in in favor of a kinder approach. Hmm. Uh, Rhiannon or Izzy, anything to add? Well, the thing that one of the things that compelled me a lot was that Chadwick Boseman has said himself in an article that he agrees that T'Challa is the enemy of Black Panther. And how he said Mm. that, you know, Killmonger's agenda was essentially to sort of, yes, liberate, like, like, liberate Blacks, like, you know, like, solve their... The oppressed. The oppressed, like, like, solve their, like, help with their injustice. And he almost saw that as, like, like, Killmonger saw that as you know, liberating Wakanda and using these Wakandan, using this Wakandan technology to sort of show the world, like, you know, the power of, like, the, the power that, like, the oppressed have. And T'Challa firmly shut that down, wants to sort of, he still wants to protect Wakanda and, like, just keep them safe. Like, in his eyes, keep them safe. But in a greater scheme, keep them hidden from the rest of the world. Which I probably like, that's probably a quote in the movie. It is not until the end of the movie that T'Challa realizes that they do have to open up Wakanda's borders so that like because because it's just the right thing. But that's a central that that is a central conflict in the movie. Do we, you know, shut Wakanda out from the rest of the world and just live our own lives, or do we do we introduce Wakanda to the world with this power that we have and just sort of like face face reality almost like face reality and 
that bigger conflict like does make you think it it is like arguably like i think out of the out of, out of all these villains you mentioned out of all these conflicts you mentioned i think killmonger like the, kill, the conflict of killmonger and t'challa is really the one that like makes you think the most and really also one of the most divisive because i think killmonger does make the strongest points out of any of these villains we've talked about i think but i think that like we've talked before like intention like not, not intention square just sort of approach is a big thing and i don't think killmonger's approach of just showing up with a bunch of wakanda technology and just hate like just maybe like hazing i don't know if that's the right word like like hazing sort of the entirety of sort of the what he sees as the oppressors is the right way to do it killing is that the right word instead of hazing like because that's that's his thing, right? It's yes. Weapons instead of like other technology. So killing is the word that you're looking I, for. I was trying to be. I was trying to use another word. You're trying to justify yes. your point, but that's yes. False. They were we, not going to throw vibranium rocks. What do we What do we put in the hands of black youths around the world? Do we put guns or do we put calculators and laptops and knowledge? STEM. I mean, I agree. I think the movies, the whole message of the movie is that we shouldn't turn away from people who need help. Like, they conclude that. Like, both of the main characters end up on the side of, like, Wakanda will not stay, like, isolationist and, like, it's essentially, like, in a, in a version hiding. But I think that they are still conflicted because there is a very big difference in the approach that is the difference between right and wrong. Right. Um, yeah, it's it's really like a macro level. With great power comes great responsibility. Yeah, of like a nation. We, if we have the ability to help the entire world, we as a nation should we should we do that? Uh, but that's probably a question for another episode. I think a more Black Panther focused one. Uh, Rihanna, do you have anything to add? Like, is there anything that like is T'Challa? Is there anything that T'Challa said or did that like puts him in the moral high ground over Killmonger? You think? I don't. I mean, I seriously, after watching Black Panther for the first time, I had forgotten certain killing scenes that Killmonger (laughs) did, and I had to be reminded, like, of why he was the bad guy. Like, I remember talking, like, well, Killmonger kind of had like a good, you know, like stuff happened to him and all Mm -hmm. that, and like he had good intentions, and then like I think it was Adam and Caleb were like, but he killed those people, like. Which is what got me thinking on this whole track of, you know, right. like, yeah, yeah. Okay, maybe they are all equal, but it's like they have this line. Okay, as soon as somebody kills somebody, then you can be like, oh, yeah, villain. Mm-hmm. I think the one line that all of us forgot to mention during this entire episode was um, Frank Castle telling uh, Matt Burdock, um, you're one bad day from becoming me. So, you know, our. Are T'Challa and uh, Eric Hillmonger any different? Are Peter Parker and um, Volter any different? Et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. You know, like, they, we always have, like, oh, the villain is, like, a variation of um, of the good guy. Maybe in, like, a literal sense, like, oh, you also have shrinking powers, but also, like, <laughs> they, ha- they might have a similar um, background, but they, they kind of took different paths. Um, you know... Fisk and Murdoch both want to help Hell's Kitchen, but in very different ways. Um, so yeah, that's um, it's 
Oh, well, we got to wrap this up now because Thomas has a prior commitment. I, I, I do. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. What did we learn, everyone? <laughs> that everyone's bad. We are one bad, bad day from becoming the worst person. A villain. I mean, I think we concluded that, right, like, in, intention matters. But uh, when the intentions are the same, the means matters. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right? Um, and, you know we they ultimately they are ethical questions so not we we don't agree and not everyone is supposed to agree and that's what makes it kind of interesting to talk about Mm -hmm. that's why but killing is still bad yes generally speaking killing is still bad yeah uh if you're listening to this don't do it Um, don't kill people (laughs) that's our takeaway that's for the kids um also um Leave Benjamin Rat alone, and also nonstop's a bad movie. Uh, those are the things <laughs> that we, yeah, that we also talked about. Peter's also bad. We should really just tell people to only listen to the last five minutes of every. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. All right. All right. Uh, thank you guys for having me so much. I had a yes. I had a blast. Yes, thank you, Izzy, as always. Thank you, uh, Thomas and Rhiannon. Uh, Rhiannon, I think this is the first podcast episode we've actually been in together, because I have filled in I know. for you. You usually fill in when I can't podcast. Yeah, so, we've so never this, actually is, this is very nice. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, this the weekend I'm recording this, I'm going to go to New York, so maybe uh, we'll see each other then. Maybe. Yeah, maybe. we'll see. Maybe uh, you'll commit a heinous crime. Yeah. yeah, no, um, I mean, statistically, like, one of us has to, um, yeah, 50%, yeah, yeah um, <laughs> <laughs> uh, all right, let's, uh, let's wrap this up, thanks, everyone. Thanks, guys. Thank you.